0: This is Nyetta, and you're listening to The Help Show. So, we have another oldie but goodie for you guys. One of my favorite, favorite episodes Just Breathe with Sin Oh my goodness, I had so much fun with that. We had Donna with the anger room, we <laughs> were beating objects. We had Dre with Tread Fit. We had. We had V12 Yoga Studio with Day. and last but not least, we had um, Chandra with Kali Chandra's Temple with meditation. Oh my goodness, I'm just laughing at it now. Man, that was a really, really great month. I did learn something. Just breathe. So check us out. Enjoy. Hi, this is Nayeta. Hi, this is Sin. And welcome to The, the help, help Show. show. Hello, this is Nayetta. Hi, this is Sid. And thank you for joining us on our Just Breathe series for the month of November. For our second form of stress relief, we introduce to you yoga.
1: The Help Show visited the ever so kind Ade at the V12 yoga studio in downtown Dallas. There we focus on stress relief through relaxation and breathing techniques, while stretching mind, body, and soul.
0: So we are here with Ade at Rockstar Fitness?
2: Yes, Rockstar Fitness and V12 Yoga Studios.
0: Oh, it's so beautiful in here if you guys only see it.
1: So today we're gonna focus on the yoga portion for this, for stress relief, as one of our many, many methods of relieving your stressful days of your life. And we wanna start off by asking
0: a few questions. Let's do it! So, what is yoga?
2: yoga to me is a definition of a couple things. Basically, it's a spiritual Hindu attachment there and aesthetic um, body, mind, and soul. Um, Basically, what you do is bring all that together and we define that as yoga.
0: And how long have you been a yoga instructor?
2: I've been a yoga instructor for about two years and some change now. Um, So what I've been doing is Particularly a little bit about me, um, I've been working out for several years, and um, I was introduced to yoga through my wife. Okay. And so about six years ago, I started practicing, and then so two years of teaching. Okay. And the student became
1: the master.
2: Oh, wow. Well, I would never <laughs> call myself a master. You know, guru would never say call myself a guru. No, I would never. You didn't call to yourself. Myself.
0: Yeah, we can got do the mask. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when it comes to
1: yoga, this, this is something that's come you. Okay, so everybody does yoga that I know. So i tried to do yoga once, but the, my friend didn't tell me it was an FBS class. You know? <laughs> so that didn't work out very right, well for right, me. Right, right, right. But what is what is the educational background that you need to teach yoga or be a part of yoga or
2: understand yoga? Well, first, you don't really have to have a educational background to understand the yoga. Yoga is based on the mind, body, and soul, that attachment that you are bringing through your intent, through your intent. So when you start practicing yoga, meaning that you're always learning, um, that's that's your education. Now, if you want to become an instructor, then that's another um, platform. So then you go get that certification from whatever type of yoga you're looking to teach, maybe several of them, maybe one. Mm-hmm. Um, like me, I did vinyasa yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we studied all of them, but I, I'm more in tune with the power flow. Does that make sense?
1: Is that, so what is that geared towards? Because there's so many different types of yoga. Mm-hmm. We, if somebody was stressed and they wanted to use yoga as a form of outlet for stress relief, is that something you would recommend?
2: Yes, there's something I would recommend. And also, um, just those different breathing techniques, so that's one form of yoga that you also can take off with that. And then leads into the functional movements, as I would call.
0: So how, how can I do yoga, how can I, what is like, what can I do for yoga to relax me? Like, what would you... Let's, You have some some breathing breathing. techniques. I do have have power stretch
2: moves. I do have breathing techniques. The first technique I always advise someone who's looking to um, be stress relieved is what we call a seafood breath. And that's your mother's breath. So it's a seven second inhale and exhale through your nasal passage. Okay. And so when you do that, that's that breath of security and that breath of that motherly love that you're looking for. And when people do that, I mean, nine times out of ten, you're going to become um, relieved of that stress because your shoulders are fall away from the earlobe, and that's where you start to feel that body coming to one.
0: So, okay, since okay, your body coming to one, so what do
2: you do personally for your
0: stress? Like, what, what is our they do?
2: Um, so, I day does a number of things. Okay. <laughs> Basically, um, I guess I have, like take you through my week.
0: A week? You a week? Are they give a week? Not just so a workout. So I'm like <laughs>
2: to do yoga to degrade so, my stress. Yeah. So it takes you a
0: week. <laughs> a, you can't like it's a one day and it's
2: like you do like ten minutes and you're like <gasps> okay. So if I have like a stressful day, okay. yes. So, for instance, I I went to go speak today. I went to go um, just give some different exercises, convention in town. So, yes, at first it's stressful. So I'll sit in my car. (laughs) i get there like 20 minutes before time, sit in my car, go over these mantras, things like that, talking to myself, taking those deep breaths. And another breath that I always practice is that fire breath. And that's to get the jitteries and things out of your body and start to warm your blood up. So I, I go over those, a number of things before that happens. Okay. So I really bring myself into that intention of being calm and collected.
0: Okay. Tell me about V12 Yoga. Let's All right.
2: It. So V12 Yoga um, was a funny story. My wife and I, we're just really busy in the community and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, my wife is named Veronica. And so everybody would nickname her like V-12, like the engine, she's always moving, right? Okay. And so um, we were going in, in reference to getting a CrossFit in the yoga studio. Well, at the time I hurt my neck. And so I wasn't able to continue the CrossFit like I wanted to. I didn't hurt my neck in CrossFit, let me get that. Disclaimer. Disclaimer (laughs) Yeah, I love CrossFit, seriously. but I needed to start getting that relief because I was adding so much pressure. So we, I started doing yoga with her and she was stressing, just moving a lot. And then the nickname came about V 12 Yoga because she was just busy. And so that's how that came about. And Rockstar Fitness came about, um, I used to be 272 pounds. Man, boobies, of belly, you know how I go. Wow.
3: <laughs>
2: and so, no, you never heard those terms. So anyway, um, and I was in the club business at the time. Group fitness wasn't as popular as it is now. Um, There was only one other boot camp in Dallas, and that was Jay Johnson. Shout out to Jay Johnson. Hey boy. (laughs) Jay Johnson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, and so for that competition, I brought that nightlife to the, the fitness camps. So that's what I did. I brought a DJ in there. I started advertising like a club. And so we made working out or core functional training fun to do. Okay. And that's where Rockstar came from. And so we merged the two together. So now we do a lot of corporate wellness um, programs and working in the community with the yoga and fitness and just any element you think about in fitness.
0: So tell me, how the list, how can the listeners reach you and learn more about your yoga studio?
2: Well, they can call us at 214-280-1708, and that's the phone number to our studio, or reach us at v12yoga.com. Um, you can go in there and contact us from there. Also, find our schedule online. Remember to visit us at Instagram, Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Google+.
1: Okay. And we will also be sure to put up all of V12's information on our website at com. And we wanted to thank you for joining us for this episode on stress relief. Yes, thank you so and much. we want to thank the listeners for joining us. And we hope that you reach out to your community here at V12 in Dallas and start your journey to stress relief and overall well-being.
2: Can I cut you off real fast? I would like to leave this definition and quote that I leave every time I teach a class or by speak. All means, please, by all means. So and we were talking about stress relief, and this definition I always explain to people is of struggle, struggle. Struggle is a strenuous effort to achieve a particular goal. And repeat that, struggle is a strenuous effort to achieve a particular goal. And your quote is that your happiness is in your transitions not your destination. So a lot of times we are stressed because we're trying to reach our goals, we're struggling. But remember, our happiness is in our transition. That's where the breath comes in and that's where you find that intention of life and what your purpose is. Once you do that, then you'll be able to calm yourself down. Practice on that mother's breath that I explained to you, that Sufi, and that'll help you calm down before any challenge that you have.
1: Thank you so much for sharing thank you, that. Thank
2: you so much, Ade. Really. So now we
1: all know that when we come here, it's not just about the yoga, it's not just, it's, it's an all-encompassing, helping yeah. you on your journey. What about the breaths that you take. Yes. Ade, thank you so much for having us.
0: So, thank you so much. So right now we're getting ready to go into the studio, and Ade is going to show us to breathe and different um, yoga find,
1: techniques. To find the happiness and peace in our transition.
2: Yes. No. bring that attention to your practice
1: yes so thank you for joining us and we hope you find us on our social media so you can join us on this journey to this inner peace and stress relief with Aude, with Nayeta. thank you for joining
0: the help show for more information visit us on our website at thehelpshow.com thank you for listening and please stay tuned Do you have computer problems? Is your computer running slow? (laughs) Did you forget your passcode? Okay, is it running slow because you've been downloading inappropriate things? (laughs) Okay, I'm raising my hand. I've done it before. (laughs) (laughs) Call Half Price Geeks. That's 1-877-77-GEEKS. And tell them the help show sent you. Hi, this is Nyetta. Hi, this is Sin, And welcome to The Help, Help Show. Our first form of stress relief. We introduce to you meditation. The Help Show recently visited the Kali Changes Temple in East Dallas with Minister
1: Chandra. We sat religion aside to focus on overall well-being and seek a sense of peace, hence creating a spiritual space for stress relief.
0: So we are at the Kali Hanji's. Temple, am I saying this correctly? It's Kala Chanji. Kala Chanji, excuse me. And I am with Chandra.
4: Yes, this is uh, Chandra. I work as the minister. Um, but I know it's a d- very difficult name, but uh, easiest way to find us is just go on Google and ask what is the best vegetarian restaurant. In Dallas
0: Which is true The food is amazing And I will be finding out here shortly <laughs> So <laughs> this month We are talking about stress and stress relief And how how important meditation is So our first question that I um, I sent you was um, There's different types of meditations So Chandra How how long have you been ministering the temple And also how long have you been teaching yoga I've been
4: here since doing um, That was probably noisy this is Wilder, he, uh, my wife babysits, it, babysits him, and she's right now <laughs> getting ready for the 15 foot chocolate cake festival that's on the 30th of October.
0: Which I will probably be attending.
4: <laughs> I, I started, uh, I moved here with my wife in 2005, and I think I've been pretty much the kind of role that I'm in now for about 10 years.
0: Okay. Could you tell me a little about, um, Kalachanji's?
4: So So Kalachanji's, the temple has been here since 1971. It was, it used to be a Christian church that we bought, and they, they converted it into a beautiful Vedic temple. Actually, the temple room you've been in, have <laughs> you seen inside the temple I
1: just took a sneak peek, so okay. I'm very excited. So it's to it's to- very
4: beautiful. That temple room used to be a basketball court. A very uh, not so exciting basketball court. Now it's, I have a little baby here, so it's a little hard. (laughs) (laughs) But um, now it's, uh, we have this Rajasthani style art, which is uh, classical Indian art. And it's a world famous artist named Eiji Sharma. Uh, Last year our art was on display at the Crow Museum. You are extremely wild right now. His name is Wilder. Exactly. Wow, well, yes. <laughs> He's living up
0: to his name. Yes, he is. So Chandra, how long have you been ministering at the temple?
4: I've been, uh, I moved, my wife and I moved here in 2005. We have, um, we're serving at the Portland temple and we wanted to have kids and I have a friend who went to a Hare Krishna home school in Idaho and he started college at 12. And his brother started college at 11 after going through the homeschool program. Oh, wow. And um, he graduated valedictorian in Boise State at 17. And then he got his PhD in Oxford University okay. in London at the age of 22. And he's a tenured professor now. He's in his early 30s. Okay. And so he was my inspiration to, if I'm going to start a family, get them into one of our really good schools. And so we moved here. With the plan of starting a family, so now we have uh, two kids, and then we also have a goddaughter as well. So they're all two years apart. And so I began serving here. That was in 2005, and then uh, the role that I'm in now—I've made about 10 years in doing that service. Oh, Wow.
0: And could you tell me a little, a little bit about the temple, about Kali um, Changis.
4: Okay, so this temple was started. Uh, 1971, our founder came to America in 1965. He was a 70-year-old monk, a Vaishnav monk. He had absolutely no money. He, as a monk, he was doing business. Um, he was given uh, board a, a free pass on a cargo ship across the Atlantic. He had uh, two heart attacks on the ship. He had only a trunk of books a bag of oatmeal for the ride
3: oh, wow. and,
4: and zero money. He landed in Boston Harbor. When he landed, he didn't know whether to turn left or right. Made his way to New York City, opened a small temple, maybe twice the size, the size of this room after struggling for many, many months, 1966. So that's the beginning of our, the establishment of our movement. So 1966, so it's the 50th anniversary. But from 66 to 77, he managed to circle the globe 14 times, opening over 130 churches or temples all around the world, including China, Russia, uh, Australia, you name it, Africa, everywhere. Um, On top of that, he trained over 10,000 students. But the foremost thing that he did is that he wrote and translated over 100 Volumes of books, mostly Sanskrit, ancient Sanskrit works, from Sanskrit to English.
1: That's amazing. Um, so this has been a part of your life for quite some time, and he takes on students, and he, you know he teaches them. What is your educational background when it comes to?
4: I um, this? well, f- when I was nineteen, I, you know, I was I I didn't go to college right after high school. Mm-hmm. I, uh, just sang in a punk band. And Neither did I, it's okay.
1: Hanging out with my friends.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but then at 19, I went from punk to monk. And I um, you know, gave all my old records and my motorcycle to my old drummer and, and moved into the Portland, Oregon monastery. And from there, I studied India. And also, we did a lot of traveling and teaching in the United States. And um, in 2002, I got married. Okay. And so, after I got married, I went back to school. So I just did about three years of community college. And, and I moved here, and I was planning, okay, I'll do some more, but I, I haven't found any time at all. But I, my one of my main subjects <coughs> in college was mm-hmm. philosophy, studying philosophy. Is
1: yes, sir, do you need it? Because, you know, if you become a pastor, I think you go through a series of, like, School. Like, there's like an School.
4: a set schooling, yeah. you yeah. know, but I feel like so th- there's there's yeah. we have our general education, mm-hmm. we have classes there, every temple. It's it's not like um mm-hmm. we could say like American church, which is open yeah. a couple times a week. We have seven worship ser- ceremonies a day. First one's at four thirty a.m. with live music. Five to seven a.m. Mm-hmm. is meditation. Seven a.m. to seven. 40 is more mute, like kirtan, meditational mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lecture every morning, so that's like just general education. Then there's like specialized study, and there's evening classes, and there's what is called bhakti sastri, which is more like in depth study.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but as far as like, uh, we have a few colleges, and one in Belgium, which is a beautiful place, it's a castle. There's a Hare Krishna college in a castle.
1: It sounds very beautiful. So, it's, yeah. is it more of a journey rather than like a prerequisite to minister?
4: You yeah, know what I yeah. mean. It's more of a spiritual
1: journey yeah. rather than.
4: It's 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 not. Um, it's kind of more like what's your passion versus just academia? Because um, I deal a lot with students and uh, our congregation, our families. Mm-hmm. And if someone is passionate about that, they they really enjoy doing it then then that's, you know, that can be their service if they have some good qualities for that service, but also mainly their hearts into it.
0: Like what we're doing. High five. <laughs> so with all this education that you have um, with meditation, how do you feel that meditation will decrease or alleviate the stress?
4: So we are... People become distressed because the nature of material things that it's always in a state of change. Yeah, it's... Um, heat, cold, uh, fame, infamy. This is a world of duality. Like the Buddha has his four noble truths, which is this material world is um, full of suffering because of its uh, ever-changing nature. And to stop your desire to enjoy the ever-changing nature is to stop suffering. Um, so, material is full of suffering. Causes suffering is desire. That's the second noble truth. The third noble truth of Buddhism is you stop desires to stop suffering. And the fourth is, and this is the Eightfold Path of Buddhism. And this is through the Eightfold Path of Buddhism. So, uh, the Vedic tradition is similar, except for when it comes to the point of number three, uh, is that we don't say to stop desire, Mm -hmm. is to stop suffering, because, shh. our uh, autistic friend, he always comes in and says the same thing every day, (laughs) but, um, so to stop suffering, we don't say that that can be possible, because, to to stop desiring, sorry, excuse me, because desire is an inherent expression of the self. Mm Buddha was actually predicted in the Vedic or Hindu scriptures to be a direct avatar of God himself. And from our perspective, he was bringing people up to a certain level. Um, so he was kind of raising them out of the uh, in the entanglement of materialism and say, hey, look beyond that. But his uh, Perception of beyond was nirvan. Van means forest, but it's in this reference means like duality. So go beyond the material duality and become zero. And another teacher came after the Buddha. Buddha appeared in 2600 years ago. So another teacher came about 800 years after the Buddha named Shankaracharya and he brought it to the next level. He said, Go beyond the zero. Go to the one, the oneness, the energy that pervades everything, that the spirit. And then another teacher came after Shankacharya, a few hundred years later, named Madhvacharya. Uh, in Udupi, that's like a, a 11th century. And he said, go beyond the one, go to the two. Because in duality, in spiritual duality, you have love, you have relationship. If there's only oneness, if it's all just a cosmic blob of energy, then there's no such thing as love. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Yeah,
4: there's no connection, there's no relationship, there's no you and me.
3: Right.
4: And then 500 years ago, Tanya Mahaprabhu appeared and he taught oneness and difference. So that the soul is one with nature, one with God, one with each other, and also different. In certain regards like a drop of water has the same qualities like the ocean so there's that oneness in quality
1: but every ripple is different
4: and quantitatively it's different (coughs) also the drop is so small Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the ocean is so big so it's theistic that there's there's also the ocean or there's the Sun and the sunlight That there's there's a distinction between the two and there's a unification of the two as well and so the idea is We are spirit souls in this material body, but we have falsely identified the body as the self. So we think we're black, we think we're Asian, we think we're uh, American, we think we're Republican or Democrat, these are all based on the ever-changing body. And we make plans for happiness according to that idea. And it's kind of like if I'm making plans to fulfill myself and I think I'm the car that I'm driving and I don't realize that actually I have a different identity from the car, then everything I do for the car doesn't necessarily deal with my issue of my grumbling stomach or the things that I need personally that's separate from the car. Mm. So meditation is meant to address that. But there should be an object of meditation. It's not simply the process of negation, but rather an application, something that you're meditating upon. Mm-hmm. So everybody's, people meditate on money, people meditate on uh, Justin Bieber, people meditate on uh, Donald Trump. <laughs>
1: <laughs> meditate hard. <laughs> that but, was not a bias statement. <laughs> yeah.
4: But what is, our, what is that object of meditation? What is that thing that we can meditate upon that actually gives a substantial Different experience. That's the idea.
1: Are you enjoying The Help Show? Visit us at thehelpshow.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Periscope.
0: So, what we like to do now, Um, we want to move into meditating. And we want to be able to go into the temple. Okay. And we're going to transfer into the temple. And you're going to t- teach us a couple chants. Oh, Before yeah. we
1: go, let's, let's like you said, we want to find something to meditate Keep on. Yeah. On. So right now, I think our focus is because there's, I've read so many books on meditation, meditation for beginners, and like being still and finding that inner peace and that Zen and meditating into your nothingness, oneness. That's and it's more like, of a, yeah. A,
4: we would say the Buddhist mm-hmm. kind of... Or that we also Sankacharya, which is Sankacharya, was his audience were the former Buddhists mm-hmm. that okay. he was speaking to, so he presented this literature which is actually theistic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bhagavad Gita talks about that there is a God.
3: Yes,
4: it's not just all oh, I'm, we're I'm you, you're me. It's all this cosmic blob energy, right. mm-hmm. and um, and so that process of negation is usually that's usually that kind of yeah. For the process of yeah, addition, where you add, you take that spiritual element that is, uh, and then you, you're you meditating on that thing, that, that substance, that thing that is of a different nature.
1: So right now, our focus is on, let's just say we're really stressed out in our lives, a million things going on, and we're trying not to ind- identify outside ourselves. I mean, like, we are not, we are not grad school. I am not dental hygiene like we are us but we're stressed out because yeah. of these ever changing things outside of us because
4: it's not an actual uh, meditate, stress relief this <laughs> type of meditation that we're doing uh-huh, okay. is not an artificial imposition of the mind mm-hmm, Okay. it's not like okay I'm going to set my mind into this particular frame but actually I'm going to connect my mind to something that automatically gives a different experience okay. Okay. like uh, um, <clears throat> say you are starving, and so your suffering is the hunger, and then you're going through the dumpster and you're eating some dumpster food, okay. and then you're also suffering because that what you're eating is not very satisfying or healthy. Or healthy, it's it's, it's going to cause some problems. So meditation is like someone coming and offering you a delicious all-you-can-eat. Meal at Kalachanju's. <laughs> For ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> ten dollars. When when they when you have the opportunity to eat, to taste something on a completely different level that's way better than anything that's available at the dumpster at 7 Eleven, then your suffering in connection to that, your attachment to that dumpster Cause you're attached to that dumpster when you're starving. But that attachment immediately goes away when you experience something better. Mm-hmm.
1: I am really understanding the attachment, you know, from these things and being you. How
4: that creates freedom. Yes, for, right. You know.
1: And this freedom is something that you... I try to explain to people sometimes, but it's like you... I...
4: So in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna uses this term, regulative principles of freedom, mm-hmm. which regulation... Does not mean freedom, you know. It, and are the the philosophy of a commercial lifestyle
3: mm-hmm.
4: is that if you simply indulge yourself enough, if you simply um, give safety to all your indulgent systems, like your 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 you have a nice financial security, you have all these things, you're going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And that's the yeah, like American dream. You just get all these things somehow peace and happiness shall follow. Uh, but those of the yoga tradition are actually trying to not be controlled by their senses, mm-hmm. but to become a senses sensei. Yes. In Sanskrit, that's called Goswami, or Go master of your senses. It's if you could just imagine that the body is like a chariot and the five senses hearing, touch, taste, smelling, and, um, are the are the horses of this chariot. That which interface with the, the senses is the mind. The senses just observe the object, but the mind says, I like cheesecake. And the mind is the one that accepts or rejects. So that's the reins. Okay. The ropes on the, in this chariot. Then you have uh, the driver, that is the intelligence. Mm-hmm. And the passenger is the self. Okay. So, the self is in this carriage because he has a particular route that he wants to go. But these horses, the senses have a mind of their own. So one sense says, oh, look at that, And the, whole, the mind says, yeah, I like that. So it's intelligence job to discriminate. Is that actually going to get me where I really want to go, mm-hmm. or is that just the pushing of, if this intelligence is weak, then it simply follows the impulse of the mind and senses. And unlike uh, the kind of capitalistic systems that we have, the yoga tradition is completely different. It's about actually being uh, con- self-sense control. But the, in a sense, it actually gives you freedom that you feel peaceful, that you don't feel um, pushed by uh, so many desires because you're just peaceful. Right. You could be, you could uh, inherit millions of dollars or you could lose, you know, millions of dollars and be peaceful. That is the the quality of someone who raised their consciousness up.
0: So basically... The chance in what we're going to be experiencing today. Are we going to feel this? Free? Is it going to automatically, we're we going to automatically feel it's,
4: this? It, 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 it's peace,
0: because I, I really need it automatically today.
4: It, <laughs> it is it's d- directly perceivable. Okay. But um, it's like in any type of scientific experiment, you have to follow the procedures to get the desired. The
0: results are case specific. Well, I'm excited. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get right. up and do this. Uh, visit us on our website at thehelpshow.com thank you for listening and please stay tuned are you tired of that boss are you fed up with that bully are you annoyed with your mama well you know what guys Check out the anger room on 3014 comers. If you wanna take your anger out, if you wanna throw some plates, if you wanna jump on some desk, if you wanna write on some walls, graffiti on the walls, if, if you wanna just take the frustration of sometime the day-to-day life that if you actually <laughs> do what you really felt you wanted to do, you might be incarcerated. <laughs> go to the anger room again that's 3014 Commerce street to make an appointment today it's 1844 i get mad and tell them the help show sent you Do you have computer problems? Is your computer running slow? <laughs> Did you forget your passcode? Okay, is it running slow because you've been downloading inappropriate things? <laughs> okay, I'm raising my hand. I've done it before. <laughs> <laughs> Call half-price geeks. That's 1-877-77Geeks. And tell them the help show sent you.
5: Hi, this is Michael.
0: And welcome to they The Help Show. Show.
5: Welcome back, guys, and thank you for tuning in to our 10th episode in our June four-part series, Daddy Lessons.
0: So, today, guys, I have a really, really, really extra special guest for you. Special? Yes, very special. She, her name is Kanidra Brown, and she is a family criminal law attorney, which we all need those in our lives, okay? Hello. <laughs> so, since this month, we con- we have the whole month of what June June. just one month okay I know I know know. know. yeah yeah for for the Father's Day um, session for Daddy's Lessons but we we brought Canidra here today to you know educate and spread awareness how first of all it is important that fathers are daddies Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that you guys have rights and she's going to educate you on that. She's going to educate me. She's going to educate both of us right, on yeah, that.
5: Yeah, she's going to school us off. Yeah, she's going to school us.
0: <laughs> so, kenidra tell the audience, who is kenidra Okay, so I'm Kenitra Brown. I was
6: born and raised here in Dallas. Um, I grew up in Oak Cliff, educated in DISD schools. Okay. um I went to Rice University in Houston, but came back to Dallas to go to law school and to practice here because. um the interesting thing about me is that I did grow up with an incarcerated father and I grew up in a neighborhood where most of the males, most of the, you know, most of the older males were gone, either dead or incarcerated. Okay. And you know, there are obviously incredibly systemic reasons for that, but there was also just a lack of general knowledge about attorneys, what they do, why they were needed in our neighborhood so that our men, and now with the increasing, um, number of black women who are being incarcerated, why we need to be able to be back in these communities and be accessible, and why our community needs to be knowledgeable about what's happening legally right now. And if if the importance of lawyers or family lawyers or criminal lawyers hasn't hit you guys yet, the state of the world are to let you know how important it is, that attorneys who are aware of what's happening and why things happen systemically um, in their communities. It's very, very important.
5: Yeah, that's awesome. So, Kanitra,
6: mm-hmm.
5: it is Kanitra, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure that we, you know our, our 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 audience you know can pronounce yeah. your name, right?
6: Yeah, uh, you, you guys say like one of my aunts said and, uh, but I just I know like if my mom and my dad catch the show, they're like, why didn't she just tell them what her name was? <laughs> 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 Kanitra Keni- with the T. Okay. Yeah.
5: So Kanitra, uh, you you gave us a very good intro. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and why?
6: Um, r- right now, I'm the principal attorney of my own firm. I practice on the, the Monica, the Law Office of Konnitra Brown. I have a general practice, but most of my practice is family and criminal law. Um, It tends to be uh, what is needed in the community, especially among black young adults right now. It tends to be where the niche is. or just generally, you know, when people need legal help, that tends to be right. what you're calling your friends about. Hey, do you know a family attorney? Right. Do you know an attorney who can take care of, you know, my tickets or who can get, you know, discharge reduced or something like that. So, it tends right. to be what most people need a lawyer for, right. for. Okay. So, it tends to be the bulk of my business. Okay.
5: So, you're not prepaid legal, right?
6: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we try to make you we try to, Let me be with every attorney. <laughs> Unless you're working with legal aid, it's prepaid legal. Prepaid legal. <laughs> <laughs> you, need to pray, you need to pay your lawyers ahead of time. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. So we'll get into that and, yeah. and it's important. Um, yes. We, you got to yeah.
5: pay your lawyers. You,
0: you have to. Them. Yeah. You have you to pay, pay them. on that. Yeah. They're
5: going to get their money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> what is your experience of fathers when working with cases? Um, Kenitra. Yeah. <laughs> so I've actually had uh, a few
6: clients who were fathers. Okay. Um, I've had clients who wanted custody, clients who were fathers who had Physical custody, okay. but didn't have legal custody. And there's a difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had some who wanted custody and just didn't follow through. So, just in general, from from those experiences, what I've gotten from fathers um, is that I'm, I'm and I don't I don't want to say I don't want to. It's make it sound like I'm victim blaming, but what f- what usually follows is. Fathers have a hard time, one, really goes in control of, of figuring out that they're not in complete control over situations mm-hmm. when they're in the family court system.
5: No, we're not in control of <laughs> <Yeah.
6: laughs> <laughs> And that's that's very difficult. Yeah. So you get frustrated. Yes, it is. And you okay. get impatient. Um, so patience, the lack of patience, is an issue that I've that I've dealt with. Okay. Um, generally, how you think and logically, I can see how it makes sense. But over the long term. It, it's detrimental to you when you want possession of your kids. Right. Um, is you don't want to pay for an attorney, or you don't want an attorney, or you balk initially when, 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 when fathers are pricing out attorneys, and when they're, you know, researching attorneys, attorneys are going to give you their fees upfront, mm-hmm. right? They're going to tell you, hey, I need five thousand dollars, and they tell you it's a retainer, right. and all you hear is, $5, you want five thousand yeah. dollars for, me, for <laughs> me to show up at court one time, and I think that's too much money. I can do right. it myself. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and the truth of the matter is that $5,000 retainer is going to help that attorney file the right paperwork on your behalf. Okay. It's going to stretch out over months, maybe years of litigation. Okay. Um, it's because it's not going all to them at one time. Right. Once you like we have trust accounts we have to keep money in and, and take money out of, you know, at a, at a certain time or. You don't ask the attorney if he or she has payment plans. So you're here, five thousand, and think I don't have that, and then think, well, I don't need, uh, I won't get an attorney. Right. Okay. Instead yeah. of asking, what are the ways I can pay this off? Right, right, right. So there's that part, or you have it and you don't want to sacrifice it. Yeah. Because it's yeah. because to you. What's gonna happen is you're, it's not gonna work out in your favor anyway, right. and that that is a lot of what I've seen is that you hear misinformation, you hear about you know your homeboy, your homegirl situation, right. and what happened, and you you tie their facts to yours, right? Right?
5: Yeah, those barbershop right. right? And there's a lot of misinformation, right. so
6: you think, well, this is what happened to my homeboy, and it's almost the exact same way that it's happening with me and my child's mother, right. or you know my child's parents and my child's you know mother's grandparents if they don't live with her, so I don't even want to. I know how it's going to turn out for me. Mm. Right. And not recognizing that there's a human element in all of this. You, know, there's a, you might be in a with a different judge. Right. The facts of your case may be different. Right. Um, and then the other thing is a lot of them, and as much as we say it, you have to tell your lawyers when you're in a family case.
3: Mm.
6: Tell them everything. That's the problem right there. Yeah. You, we are bound by confidentiality. Right, okay. So I'm going to reference some cases here, but I'm not going to give any confidential information like that, that's specific to a case or whatever. But when a, when a lawyer tells you you need to tell them everything, right. tell them everything. Tell them because everything. the standard in, in family court is the best interest of the child. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're arguing or when you're advocating or when someone's advocating for a child, evidence laws, civil procedure and evidence laws still play a role. But it, I don't want to say they're lax. Hmm. Um but they're relaxed a little bit because if a judge needs to or thinks that he or she needs to hear about a certain fact in the background that determines who gets who gets the child mm-hmm. or who has to pay child support or anything like that, they're look, that's what they're listening and looking for. So what an attorney will do is is put pleadings on file so that you have some type of defense on record. Okay. They'll keep certain facts out. Okay. If you told you, an attorney, can't help you if you didn't tell them everything about right. the situation. Right. And they don't want surprise. Yeah. They don't want to surprise. Yeah. There's no way right. that sometimes we can object, but if we don't have a good basis for an objection, a judge can overrule it. Right. Hmm. Um, and the other issue um, that I've found is sometimes fathers don't know the status of their case. You've never actually looked at your order, right. at your sacchar. What, what we call a SAPSA or, or, you know, a suit affecting a parent-child relationship. You've never actually looked at it. You don't know if you're under temporary orders right. okay. or final orders. Okay. That All those matters. You don't know if you've already had a default judgment right. filed against you. Have you missed deadlines? Um, can you file and ask for... Um, a change in status. So these types of things, is I've, I've encountered this a lot, is that a father doesn't actually know
5: right.
6: what his rights, I mean, even on paper, what his legal rights are. You don't even right, know right. what your actual visitation schedule is. Right. You don't so think, you, so
5: do, you, do you think it's best to uh, to have those initial consultations up front and then kind of have like a, I guess, walk you through these steps, like, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, I mean, so, because a lot of fathers are confused. Mm-hmm. A lot of fathers are terrified of the process mm-hmm. because they've heard these horror stories and how things never work in their favor. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you mentioned. Um, with my daughter, you know, I, I was kind of... Um, I did my research. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, we all go to Google.
0: How much research did you really do? I, mean, I did
5: a lot of research. <laughs> there's a
0: lot of it out there. So you, a there's a research. lot to find. You
5: yeah. know, and it's different for every state. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. because, you you know, especially like... Um, for me, I you know, I come from an athletic background. So my first thought was... You know all these athletes who had these babies, and you know the the mothers take them to the cleaners. <laughs>
0: so you think he was Kobe or something? Yeah,
5: exactly, Kobe's without the shots. Yeah.
6: Okay. <laughs> that diamond ring.
5: But, uh, but yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, so so do you believe that uh, family? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That uh, that the laws view fathers differently? Actually, I
6: I really don't. It is codified in the in the U.S. Constitution. Well, basically, when, when through the Supreme Court mm. interpreting Constitution and in state and our state Constitution in Texas and in our code, that there is a presumption that both parents are, and but the, both parents have access and custody of a child right. is okay. in their best interest. Right,
3: right.
6: When you go to court, there's actually a presumption you have to overcome. When you when when courts you know send out standard um, possession agreements or you know. When they make possession agreements, barring some other evidence to the contrary, those agreements are made based on the, on the presumption that both parents, as joint managing conservators, are what's best for the child.
3: Okay.
6: As in, when you look at what that means, both of you have the right to determine, and you have to, and this basically, it basically forces you to co-parent, right? right. So yeah. both yeah. of you have the responsibility or the job of deciding when that child gets a passport, what type of religion he or she Practices or what grows up in, where um, one parent typically, even in JMC joint managing service situation one parent does usually have the right to determine residence. Right. But but as far as schooling, um, where he or she gets to go, you know, does he get a phone, all of that, that kind of stuff. Those are joint parenting decisions that that court order usually like spells out.
5: Right. Yeah.
6: Both of you have access to those types of things. Right. And barring some type of you know. Agreed, agreement between the two of you that's signed by a judge or, you know, that's legally binding or some other type of information. That's what's usually your the presumption that you're overcoming. The only way to overcome a joint managing conservatorship, conservatorship ruling or something like that is if there's, you know, an assault in the background, um, primarily on any type of family violence. Um, Some types of criminal records. Okay. Um, Your absence. Right. Say you have a court date and you don't show up to court. You A default judgment, I mean, to a judge, what that looks like, your absence there looks like, and you don't even have an advocate. Because sometimes, you know, as long as your lawyer's in court and you're not there, sometimes that works for you too. Right. But if you're not there, I don't see, the judge is going to be like, you know, unless... You know your child's mother is advocating for you, which is not her job. She doesn't right. have
5: to. <laughs> which is the? opposite. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um,
6: and if she says, you know, I don't, he he doesn't want anything to do with them. I've never gotten child support. He hasn't seen him. A judge has no choice to take at, at her word because you don't have any pleadings on file. Right. You're not in court to advocate right. for yourself. Hmm. So that's why it looks like courts don't. Don't push for fathers' rights, huh because fathers aren't there advocating for themselves. They don't push or for themselves, or they don't push much. for themselves. Yes. Or you know what? You show up in court, and you think that you're gonna have to, you're gonna have a moment to get your side of the story in, and the fact of the matter is, what happened? How did you? Is that you don't understand the court system, for your, for you to have a case in front of the in front of the judge, okay. either your child's mother. Or your child's guardian yeah. or the state itself the attorney general has to have filed a motion oh. to get you in court and when they did that they filed an affidavit that was either one to three to five to eight pages long about the situation okay. and you had an opportunity when you were served you were supposed to file an answer right
3: mm-hmm.
6: when you filed an answer that or count or counterfile okay. another petition that hmm. gives you an opportunity to tell what your side of the story is and make your own pleadings.
0: Okay,
6: that's what the judge is making his or her decision based off. If you didn't do
0: that, you're not going to be able to get a word in. <laughs> so basically, some I mean, yeah. documentation is mm-hmm. it's who take it's pretty much who takes the best notes. Right. Absolutely,
6: and and basically, um, if you fail an answer, if you file a general denial, and you don't, and usually that at least alerts the judge to, hey, this person has, you know, hey, why, why, why aren't the allegations in this petition true? But that judge is also assuming that you've read or had access to that to that petition, and typically that's not the case. Most most men don't know to go on that they have to pay. To get it downloaded or to go, don't know to go down to, you know, whatever court it was. Mm-hmm. Once you get something filed, it's gonna tell you that case number. Okay. Right. Don't know to go look up that case number and try to get a copy of everything that's been filed about mm-hmm. that case. Huh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. You're teaching me you something. You need to, yeah. because you need to know what. Things have already been filed against you. What's already been said? Right. What's what's not been said? These are the types of things that matter. And This is why we tell you get a lawyer because the lawyer's going to look at that and say, "Hey, we missed a deadline here. Yeah. Or we need to file a different. We, we, we need to file a different form." Or, you know, you have seven days or fourteen days within getting a citation to answer. You okay. didn't answer. You got default judgment. And the rules right. are: I have three days, twenty-one days, fourteen days from from, from this judgment to file an appeal. Blah hmm. blah, blah blah. And most men either don't know that, right? Know it and don't want to go through it, or uh-huh. just you know, think if I just show up, I'll get a word in. That's right. enough, and that's uh, yeah. not, not enough. enough. Huh. Most judges are gonna be, I'm glad you're here, but
5: but you know what? You don't
6: have any pleadings, you don't have any pleadings on file. Right. I can't, I don't, I'm not gonna.
5: You know, yeah. uh, men. You know, we just kind of speaking from a father's mm-hmm. point of view. Um, we let our emotions get in the way mm-hmm. in the beginning because oh, we're pride like,
6: is a big man. You know, you
5: we, we like, um, we like, hey, we created this baby together. We should be 50-50 and it mm-hmm. just does not work. It that does way. not work that and
6: way. And you go in there with yeah. that
5: mentality, like, well, why can't I see her on this day, or why can't I have her, like, you know, Monday through Thursday? Mm-hmm. You get her from, you know. You know, why are you just so, and you get frustrated, and you get upset, and, you know, I mean, the law is, you know, the law is the law.
6: Yeah, and here's the thing, you think that you'll never have the opportunity, but get it, it is, it's the thing, once you get, once you get in court, once mm-hmm. you're able to make your filings and your pleadings, most judges aren't going to make you hash this out in front of them. Doing that first, doing that first court case. They're gonna look at this and they're gonna decide. Hey, from these pleadings, I get the feeling that this is what's going on. Right. Right. So I'm gonna make these types of rules because right. when you make these, when you file your pleadings, you're gonna ask. Usually, you ask for a prayer at the end. If your prayer as a father is, I want access to my child. Okay. Um, and I want basically is even I want access to my child. Okay. Is the biggest thing. Okay. And or you know your your child's mother says. Excuse me. It's okay. Um, you're not paying child support, so you don't get to see hmm. your, your child, right. even if you're under a court order that says, hey, this person still gets to end the visitation."
3: visitation. Right.
6: Let me make this very clear for parents or guardians who have physical custody of a child and are supposed to get child support from another parent or guardian, and that guardian is also supposed to get visitation. Hmm. Their visitation is not contingent on their ability or their timeliness with child support. Mm
3: -hmm.
6: That is a mutually binding court order.
3: Right.
6: You have to let your child, if that person has visitation and they're attempting to exercise it, when the court order gives them the right to exercise it Mm -hmm. and you don't let them, you're in violation of Mm -hmm. the court order too.
3: Yeah.
6: Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It is not dependent on that person's ability to pay child support. Does that mean that there aren't consequences for not paying Mm -hmm. child support? Absolutely not. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not, but you also are mutually bound by that agreement that Mm -hmm. that person gets access to that child regardless if they can pay child support We'll get into why paying child support or what you can do when your child support is an issue um, later in some of these questions, Uh but um, if you want that and you're not getting it, it's your job as a father to go to court and say, hey, I have this court order where I'm supposed to have standard possession of my child and
0: she's not giving it to me so take so, it to court. So a yeah. question I do have for you: mm-hmm. What experience of fathers with custodies um, or, or with custody disputes do you deal with? Like, um, what I'm trying to say is, like, what experience have you had with the with, custody with them? Yeah,
6: yeah, I mean, I've had the one that breaks my heart the most is, and and I and there's going to be some lessons in here for some of you, is I had a father who had ha- who has had sole physical custody of his child for two and a half years, okay. and um. In that time did not go and and update his uh, attorney general support order. He right. was still under court order to pay child support to her. Right. Um, so he never went and changed that. He, he hadn't made any move to get the court order changed to reflect that, that the child was in his physical custody. Um, until she filed, because he went and filed an affidavit. When he finally did file an affidavit, mm-hmm. that he he got he got a letter about a, arrears from the from the attorney general, and wasn't able to go f- uh, get his license renewed. Which, by the way, if you're behind on your child support and you're in arrearages and you're and you haven't made an effort to call the attorney general, they can file a motion on their own behalf to sanction you either with money. Hmm. Um, they can keep your keep you from being able to get your car registered or your license renewed mm-hmm. or if you uh, have a C- C- CDL license yeah. uh, mm-hmm. or you need any type of license to do your work. If you're a financial advisor, you need a license to do your work. If you're an attorney and you need a license to do your work, <laughs> right? the attorney general can file a motion to, to kind of encumber that license so that you're not able to practice and do the work that you, that you need to do. Right. Right. Um, but sliding that to the side, he hadn't done that. And hmm. when she went to court uh, to enforce um, child support, it also she also, at that time, had in two years, had never wanted anything to do with this child. Hmm. She also got custody of them in return. Um, and it's not because we, it's because also that person didn't follow up with me
3: right. about getting into court.
6: Hmm. Right. <laughs> and I'm not, I mean, most attorneys aren't going to we're right, gonna, right. If we want us to, we're gonna we're gonna refer you to legal aid, and there are a lot of legal aid offices in Texas. But legal aid yeah, of, yeah. of North Texas will definitely definitely takes those types of cases. Okay. Um, that's also a resource if you guys if for you guys listening, right. there is a legal aid. There are several legal aid offices in the North Texas area that take these type of cases. If you cannot right. afford to get a private attorney,
5: right? right. Okay. You know, actually, just kind of touching on that really really mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, there's a there's a website that I went to mm-hmm. uh, when I first got started with mm-hmm. the, my proceedings. It's called uh, fathersforkids.com. And just really quickly, it's headquartered here in Dallas.
4: Mm -hmm.
5: Uh, It's one of the largest and most active father right organizations in the US. Uh, They're nonprofit, but they do things like free access to attorneys. You can get uh, discounted with uh, process services, discounted DNA testing. This DNA testing. You need that. Even even if you know that kid is yours, you you still need to go get a DNA test. You need to do it because at the end of the day, if it turns out that it's not yours, that's a whole different thing.
6: Yeah. Well, the other part of that is why we say that is if you want to have access to your child. Right. um, There are three ways to make sure that you're – if anything happens with your child, say they're arrested, um, they get involved in the Child Protective Services system, or uh, someone tries to – say they're in the foster system and and you're not available. You either – you're serving time, you're in the military or something like that. They end up in a system – the way that that our legal services systems works with with CPS or anything like that is mm-hmm. who's the if they can't find a parent either via birth certificate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Also, being on the birth certificate does not guarantee you paternal rights. By right. the way, guys. Right. Yeah. Um, what you need to do, <laughs> or if, if you if you've got someone pregnant and you're not really certain about their uh, reliability or their ability to tell you the truth about when they're having a child or if they're going to give that child up for adoption, yeah. Texas does have what's called a putative father registration system
0: okay mm-hmm.
6: and what this does is, is why that person is pregnant or within 31 days of them having a the child, you can go on this website huh. and provide your information. Um, so that if that per- that child is put up for adoption, yes. you're required notice before someone can adopt this child. All right. What's the um, of website? of You can actually find the link through the Texas Health and Human Services
3: website. Okay.
6: Um, or just type in Texas Putative, P-U-T-A-T-I-B-E, father website. Okay. And there's one in almost every state because it happens a lot. Huh. Yeah, that kids are given up for adoption or kids are, or, are you know, rights to them or given to someone else without a father being notified because the state doesn't know that they're
1: to hear the full episodes go to apple itunes or Podbeam and download episodes nine and ten hey mama and daddy's lessons